This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Vores. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to The Rest is PR. My name, as it will always be, barring incident, is Lyle Fulton, and I am joined, as I hope I always will be, by the absolutely wonderful Jackie Vores. Now, listeners, you'll notice that this episode is arriving to your ears hot on the heels of another episode that we recorded very recently. And it's a rest is PR first because they are being released on the same day at the same time, 9am on a Friday as we always release it. And in fact, I'm not going to say why. I'm just going to start by offering you, the listeners, a little bit of a clue by asking Jackie this question. Jackie, are you okay? I hope you are. Deep breath. (laughs) What a week, listeners. What a week it's been. Jackie and I recorded about a week ago a Phil Schofield episode. Let's not be around the bush. It was a Phil Schofield episode about the furore surrounding Phil Schofield, Holly Willoughby, the scandal that hit ITV's flagship daytime television programme. But it wasn't the scandal that we thought it was going to be, was it? Exactly right, which is why we felt just compelled to do an episode to address what we'd spoken about that we had no idea was going to be as kind of narrow as now it kind of appears to be as there's a there's a wider issue that has exploded onto the scene Uh, and obviously listeners I hope you will have uh, got the joke are you okay (laughs) in a way the lovely ITV director of strategy Magnus Brook did not get the joke when hauled in front of MPs in parliament and John Nicholson brilliantly asked him are you okay to which he replied (laughs) But me, oh yeah, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I think I'm fine. I just did not get it. Um, but there you are. <laughs> let's let's set the scene because yes. when we left the last podcast, we were talking primarily about the fact that two presenters, Philip Schofield, Holly Willoughby, of one of ITV's flagship programs this morning, had fallen out and Philip had fallen on his sword and left, but it was all very murky and it all blew up in the press and there was a media furor and there were all sorts of speculation going on. And Lyle and I were pretty, I think we were pretty good that we we kept saying there's this murkiness, there's these flies around Phil, but we weren't really going there, but we'd both heard rumours ourselves. Of course. Um, we didn't go there because our intention in these things is never to pile on personally to people you know we can be very critical but we don't want to pile on and be mean or nasty for nastiness sake because we just like to assess and analyze the situation that's all about the media so what's happened since that podcast is that as we predicted things did run a bit deeper in this particular fury And since that time, it has transpired that Philip Schofield, who had recently come out as gay, had a relationship with a very young guy who was a runner on the show. And here are the facts of the matter. Mm. The chap in in question, Philip had known since he was 15 years old. He'd gone to a theatre show that this guy had done, had pictures taken of him with him. I think in the guise of him being a family friend or a friend of a friend. Yeah. Anyway, this young man uh, followed him on Twitter. Phil followed him back. And through the course of a number of years, up until he was about 19, they sort of stayed very loosely in touch, according to the facts that we know. And he asked Philip Schofield to help him get a job at ITV, which he did on this morning. And he became a runner at this morning. Then He worked there for a couple of years, very closely with Philip. And then they, during that time, had a relationship and affair as it's been dubbed in the press, because at the time, Philip was still married to his wife and certainly hadn't come out as gay. So those are the facts of the matter. Now, the the reason this is sort of blown up horribly, I don't think is homophobia, although that's been banded around. I think he, I think it would have been even more of a fury if Philip had had a relationship with a young runner that was a girl that he'd met when he when she was fifteen. So I don't think that makes any difference. I think the fury that's come about has been about duty of care to employees, about speculation about grooming. And the fact that, you know, a lot of people are speculating that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree in the sense that Philip Schofield's brother had been found guilty of sexual predation charges, again, with young, younger people. So the whole thing is very sensitive. 
nasty as a situation. And you can imagine the individuals involved have gone through an absolute ringer personally because of it. And this is interesting because, you know, when we were analysing this before, we were looking at it from the perspective of two things. One was from the perspective of how ITV handled the previous situation and the perspective of personal brands and how you manage your personal brand, which I think applies to anybody, whether they're a TV presenter or whether they're a CEO of a company or whether they are young, a young person starting their career wanting to go through the ranks, wanting to achieve leadership positions. It doesn't really matter. You should always be aware of your personal brand and what, what you're doing. So I think from that perspective, which way do you want to go, Lyle? Where do you want to start? I just think it's really interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, I think we obviously necessarily spoke, and you've articulated it brilliantly there, we necessarily spoke on what we knew when we did the last episode, which I'll remind <laughs> listeners is being released exactly at the same time. So, you know, obviously I would encourage you to listen to them in order because I do really hope that they kind of really do work as a part one and a part two. The reasons being that we spoke on, on what we knew, which was they were... Just you know, feuding at the time. Behind the scenes. Out. Holly and, and Phil have fallen out we raised the possibility that potentially producers and those working behind the scenes at ITV were, you know, semi-happy that there was this potential atmosphere surrounding the two of them because it was good telly. You know, I mean, we wanted to see if they were actually, and you mentioned the body language experts were being brought in. I think personal brands are a really interesting place to head to. Mm. I kind of want to start this response to last episode by just like, you don't want to use the word lauding because obviously there's some really, you know, sensitive material here, but it's a PR and communications case study dream, oh, isn't it? Like it, there's just it, been back and forth, like who's going to go next, who's going mm -hmm. first, who's up first. And I want to talk about something that I text you about, like not long after we'd recorded the last episode, which is the interview. And I think that that meets personal so, brand so personally. What we, you know, what we look at here is all of their communications reactions. ITV have been very stilted, very corporate. Mm. They've done not a lot. Mm. The reactions really that have caught the public's attention are the reactions of Phil individually and Holly individually. Now, subsequently to all of this blowing up, ITV have actually been, and and Lyle just referred to it, they've been called into... into Yeah, Parliament, into, yeah. Into Parliament. So they are being grilled by special committees on how they've handled this situation, why this situation came about. So it's been taken really, really seriously mm. at a governmental level. So it's turned into a massive S show. For <laughs> so Proud of you. Proud of you. <laughs> you held back. Massive. <laughs> and I come back to one of my original points from the last podcast. This should never have happened. This should never have happened. And why? Because as it has turned out, ITV knew about this potential situation as far ago as 2019, when it was first brought to their attention by a journalist called Dan Wooten, who now presents on GB News, but he used to be at The Sun. And he brought this relationship to their attention. And apparently these rumours have been swirling around ever since. There are so many people who have come to the press, to the fore to say, we all knew about this. All, all gossip that was happening behind doors. So this was something that I feel that ITB almost felt that they could cover up by letting Phil go and maybe this would come to nothing. And of course, that's a really silly, silly mistake to make because letting somebody go brought on more questions. It brought more like, why? Why is he going just because him and Holly aren't talking? What has he done so bad that Holly won't speak to him? Well, as it turned out... It was this relationship yep. that had caused all of that those problems. And coming back to ITV, they did nothing. Now, yep. they say they investigated, but their investigation was the sum total of a few questions asked. It wasn't like, let's speak to so-and-so, let's speak to so-and-so. They cannot account for a proper investigation. They just can't. I mean, 
let's come on to what happened next. Then, as you just said, quite rightly, Holly has been away, actually, by the way, for the last two, three weeks on a, a holiday. So she wasn't expected to say anything. No. Bill conducted this one-to-one interview with a really well-respected journalist who didn't mess about asking hard-hitting questions. Big time. And he, and he went to the BBC and he did it as a BBC special one-on-one interview. I'm not sure how long it lasted. It was 40 minutes, an hour? 40 minutes. Incredibly telling, I thought, by the way, as well, that it was with the BBC. Yeah. You know, he, you know that they, they, it would have been a really interesting move had he done an ITV kind of special, which has happened, you know, in the past. You know, we've seen yeah. on ITV, but he was like, necessarily, it's a different broadcaster. It's, you know, I want to, I want to, I want it to be away from the murkiness. I don't know what contractual stuff there was or yeah. whether ITV just wanted to keep their biggest distance ever from it. It's For difficult sure. to why he did that with the BBC. But the interesting thing was when this first sort of was mooted that he was, this interview was coming out, a lot of people were comparing it to the Prince Andrew Mm. nightmare interview that was done. And the thought of it was that, oh my God, what a risky thing to do. Mm. You know, he's already public enemy number one. The media is treating him like a complete pariah, a groomer, a sexual predator, a bully, and one thing that we said in the last podcast was that, you know, we were we were noting how few people or zero at the time people were coming forward to defend Philip. Still, up until the time of the interview, nobody had come out to defend him. So he was really up on that pedestal as public enemy number one. And I tell you what, if you're not from this country and you're listening and you didn't ha- and you haven't been part of all of this, this man was treated like he had murdered people mm. it was that bad was everywhere i mean if you think as well and we we you know i want to be very careful here about kind of you know positing incendiary opinions because this is necessarily and appropriately about the philip schofield situation but it does sometimes make my blood boil ever so slightly um and i i have total respect for the media in this country and i think they have a very very difficult job to do but when they're a very very definitive like important significant stories to do with like our entire country and the culture and you know the structure and the economic situation in this country that we continue to face day in day out it's not an exaggeration to say you're absolutely spot on when we sort of you know for our worldwide listeners this was everywhere every page every news channel tv radio this was everywhere for three or four days you did you, you couldn't hear about anything else that's going on and there are other things going on There's really serious things yes. happening you know and it, and it, and Boris was... Johnson for example is rubbing his hands in glee that well that's Ooh. it I mean what what a great I mean there's there's a there's an old governmental um I think it's from the days of new labor you know a good day to bury bad news I mean they were just burying bad news left right and center because <laughs> everything was fill 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 you know so that's it and um but yeah. yeah sorry you were saying you know about about this in the pre the build-up to this interview yeah you know he knows what he's done is wrong. I think what he's done is wrong. Um, and if at the very least, incredibly ill-judged. But was the media fury commensurate with the crime? Let's wait and see. So he goes and he does this one-to-one interview, which if I was his PR, genuinely, I would have said that's a risky move right now because one mistake and that could have been everything. However... One thing that hasn't really been taken into account is this guy's been doing television for 41 years and he knows how impactful personal testimony can be done right. And, you know, he knows how to be on message. He knows just instinctually what he needs to say, how he needs to think through his thoughts and, and what he's saying. And even though he's pretty broken and anybody would be, believe you me, to have that suffer literally the slings and arrows of the British media is horrific. And I wouldn't wish it on anybody, to be honest. He he knows, he knew what to say. So if I was going to bet on anybody doing a live interview with the BBC, it would probably be him. Sure. And then we have Holly doing an interview, making a statement when she returned this morning. So that was the sort of sequence of things. Philip does his interview, and then Holly was expected to come back to this morning and say something. So let's deal with the Philip interview. Yeah. He did the interview, 
And we were talking about this earlier and I said, hands up, one of the most interesting, brilliant pieces of media and crisis communications I have ever seen mapped out in front of me. Mm. They asked all the right questions, all the nasty questions, all the horrible questions that people wanted him to be held accountable to. And some really specific stuff as well. Like it wasn't just like kind of like abuse of power, bullying, like your man at the BBC got down to there are rumours circulating that, you know, he was getting cars from your property into work, you know, secretly, you know, he was, he was asking the really nitty gritty, like, you know, when was the first time, like what, you know, what actually specifically happened, which I think was the one that he wasn't even really prepared to, you know, and they asked, oh, you know, is this, was this the first time you'd been the with a man? The only thing he didn't answer yeah. was whether he'd had other, gay relationships Yeah, before. other relationships, yeah. And I think he he necessarily responded by saying this is an interview That's about this, this actual situation. I want to do a bit of an analysis just like on a personal level. You can agree or disagree with the situation and you can be pro-Phil or anti-Phil or you can be pro-Holly or anti-Holly. I'm, you know, I've got splinters in my bum as ever because I'm sitting on the fence. I'm not pro or anti either of them. I'm massively anti the situation having got this far. That's that's where I sit. But from a purely analytical perspective, as someone who hosts a oftentimes PR podcasts, although it's necessarily other things as well, which we love, and as someone who works in PR and someone who works in performance as well, mm. without saying whether or not I agree with some of the things that he said and whether or not you know believing him or what this, that and the other, I thought it was brilliant. I remember texting you going what he needed to do in his own mind to get himself back up, even on a kind of a, a low ebb, because he was like lowest of the low for a good week. So even get himself back in the game, perfect. You know, so and I think he, he dealt with it brilliantly. How do you break that down? Mm. Why was it so good? I, I, I've said this so many times on this podcast. Human beings can only take in one or two messages. Mm. And he had one message that he said over and over again. And then he had a second message that he didn't say but he was explaining what he was, how he felt, mm. and leaving that open to interpretation. Let me elaborate. The message was, I'm to blame. Mm. This is all my fault. This poor young man has been dragged through the press, had his reputation taken apart, has his career affected, all my fault. And he kept saying it over and over and over again, even to the point when the interviewer asked him if there was anybody he wanted to apologise to, it was the young man involved. Yeah. It wasn't his wife, wasn't anybody. It was, I mostly want to apologise to this young man. Yeah. So the whole message, the whole message through a 40-minute to an hour-long interview, I'm not sure exactly how long it was, but the message constantly you're getting is, my fault, my fault, my fault. I hold myself accountable. I am to blame. Why are you to blame? So I should have known better. I'm the older one. But, but he kept saying it was his fault. Now, the subliminal message, and the interviewer quite picked up on the subliminal message, but he didn't know why he was picking up on it. He picked up on it and he asked, do you think you're the victim in all of this? And there was quite a pause, I think, the, from him. And he said, no, I'm not a victim of this, but I am of the situation with, you know, I forgot what he said that he was a victim of, but it wasn't anything to do with his behaviour. And that was the most important thing because in this situation, everybody in this country loves an underdog. And he laid it as bare as to compare himself with a TV presenter who had taken her own life, Caroline Flack. And he said he knew how she felt because of this media takedown and breakdown of him as a person. He very, very eloquently positioned himself as the underdog, mm. the person who was in pain, as the person who had lost everything. He said it, I've lost everything, as a person who's completely reduced to naught. Now, the interesting thing about doing something like that is that has to be authentic when you're saying things like that and yeah. was authentic. And nobody disbelieved that because... No. Nobody could could endure the sort of criticisms that he's been going through without being broken. So 
if you're authentic and you're giving your message across, you're going to be believed. Now, the British public like to pile in on people in power and confident people and people who are the prize. They like to have a, you know, especially herded up by the media fury, will all pile in and say, oh, this terrible man, terrible thing he did, awful, awful man, blah, blah, blah. But if that man turns around and says, it's all my fault, I'm laying myself bare and I feel suicidal, what a change has happened exactly. in terms of public perception of this man. Because we're starting to see people coming out, celebrities coming out defending him. We're starting to see who never came out before, by the way, until he'd done this interview, nobody was going to jump on that. I'm going to defend Philip Schofield bandwagon. There's they a knock on, isn't there? There's a knock on. Follow Holly and stay way away from it all. All of a sudden, it's received reasonably well. So maybe me supporting how well that interview went will mean that some of my stuff's received pretty well. What I thought was really interesting as well, and I think it's a really good point you bring up about the, not just the, it's all my fault and not just, you know, and we've got to be quite sensitive to this and, you know, disclaimers and all this sort of stuff. Obviously the feet, you know, those having those dark thoughts that he's been having because of, you know, the persecution he's faced. Yeah. Have an opinion. You know, I, I don't, I don't think people should ever be subjected to that kind of treatment, um, you know, day in, day out, hour in, hour out, because we have 24 hour rolling news and online publications and left, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, GB News was just for a week, you know, might as well have been called anti-fill news. You know, I mean, that yeah. was all they had, you know, that was all they had on it because they had, you know, this axis of Dan Wharton and Eamon Holmes just kind of, you know, and Eamon Holmes did his own response, but that's that's another thing entirely. The the point that you just made, which I think was really, really appropriate, is that some people do interviews like this to save themselves. Yes. Some people go in and go, I might lose everything in terms of my career and my credibility. So I've got to do something like this to just even resurrect that. There was an acknowledgement 10 minutes in maximum that he has lost everything. Yeah. There was an, there was an acknowledgement and, and, and it was as if, it, and, and at no point in the interview was he like, I really hope someone gives me a second chance at what I'm good at. It was, I will probably never work again. Now, how much you believe I mean, he'll work again, I've no doubt. You like, don't know whether he will be mentally capable of yeah. it. But whether he honest. wants to is a and different I totally entirely. believe that yeah. he, I totally believe him. I believe That's that it. he feels he's never going to work again. He could have very easily not said a word. Yeah. He could have very easily done, you know, literally sat there and waited for this to go away. Mm. He took a decision to do that interview, he might say, to make that apology. I don't know what his deepest motivations were to do that interview. I still think that it was a very risky thing to do. Extraordinarily risky. Extraordinarily risky. But the message, the messaging was, you're so right in what you say, the messaging was so clever for a number of reasons. It completely pinned everything on himself. In so doing, he was able to, in some people's opinion, and I'm, you know, again, probably sitting on the fence, in some people's opinion, authentically clarify certain facts. Because had he turned around and gone, I've done nothing wrong, then immediately, even even if the performance, as it were, I don't think it was a performance, but just in terms of like personal, just in terms of how you come across. Very professional. Yeah, brilliant. Definitely. In, in, in terms of how you come across, though, if you turn up and five minutes in, you go, I don't think I've done anything wrong, then he could have been being as authentic as he actually was, because he was incredibly authentic and incredibly credible. But the messaging would have been different, even if he'd have, even if he'd have then said exactly the same things afterwards. So say he goes, I don't think I'm to blame. And then he says what happens. Our reception of that information is changed by by just that simple statement. Whereas five minutes in, he goes, it's all my fault and I've got nothing left and I've got no career to return to and it's the end for me. Everything he then says afterwards has authenticity, has credibility. With no agenda. Trust it. There's no agenda to it, right? There is absolutely, at no point do you think, oh, he's doing this to, to, no. to resuscitate things he's going to leave that interview room i'm was it his house we don't know i mean that's that's you know kind of that's irrelevant but he leaves the room knowing he's just he put his story out and then and again it just felt like i was just like we we you and i were just trading messages about this because we were like we got to go back in we got to go back in and mm. do another one because then you get what in my opinion is the antithesis of that in terms of delivery and performance in the form of, and like she can only have written it herself. You know, she, I mean, I apparently she did. I 
don't know. Like, I don't you think know. it was written by her, Lyle. You know, so the next stage, as a, as we sort of said a bit earlier, was then everyone was waiting for Holly Willoughby to come and say her piece. Because mm. during Phil's interview, he was asked whether Holly knew what was going on. And he said nobody knew, which no. he might have thought, but certainly a lot of other people have come out. I mean, I'm, I'm, talk, I'm not talking just five or six people. I'm talking yeah. you know, 60 people that you could name have come forward saying everybody knew about this. So it, it was an open secret, whether he thinks he, he whether he thinks it wasn't open or not, maybe yeah, 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 showed yeah. the level of his understanding of everything else that was going on in his environment. I don't know. But there is a lot of cynicism around whether Holly was fully cognizant of what was going on um, in front of her nose. But so everyone was then waiting to see what Holly said. And Holly came on this morning back from her holidays with a new sidekick presenter who's a, who's a regular presenter on This Morning Already. And it was the most bizarre opening to a programme I think I've ever seen. And here's why it was bizarre. Because we'd mentioned the morning show. We mentioned this on the previous podcast. We did. If you go and look at the morning show after... Jennifer Aniston's anchor um, buddy, forgotten his name in the show, but it's played by Steve Carroll, I think. Steve Carroll, yeah. He had done a bad thing and subsequently became a pariah. And Jennifer Aniston comes on the morning show and says, are you okay? I I know, we're not, we're not okay either. Or something, I've forgotten the entire... But Holly Willoughby comes on her TV show, her show now, by the way. Wow, not Holly and Phil. Holly Willoughby show. Yeah. Are you okay? Mm. I kind of thing. And it was just like, everybody's like, oh, please. How can you open up a segment like that? It was ripped off from this morning, the, the morning show. Yeah. And it was syrupy, simpering, unauthentic, yeah. scripted, mm. and entirely saccharine. Holly Willoughby, yucky, nothing. And it was really interesting because I sort of sat there thinking, oh, I certainly wouldn't have advised her to handle this situation this way. I would have said, why don't you do what Holly and Phil did when he came out as gay and have the two, have Holly sitting with somebody asking her so that she answers a question, doing that question answer authentic interview yes. style but no the the powers that be decided they wanted to control the message because yeah scripted read off your teleprompter yeah, yeah. thing was the right way to go everyone's expecting holly to say something so let's script it for her let's and she'd obviously signed it all off because you know you would inauthentic rubbish simpering sally and nobody liked it. And I've I've polled a lot of people since that. And I said, okay, how do you, what do you think now about Phil? What do you think now about Holly? And it seems to me that there's been a little swap over now and everybody's a little bit more forgiving of Phil and very yeah. sceptical about Holly Willoughby. There are an extraordinary number of things I thought when I actually watched the clip of Holly Willoughby's intro at the beginning when she came back on, on Monday. The first is... And I agree, I've spoken to a few people about Phil and I've spoken to a few people about Holly and, you know, you can't forgive Phil. You, you can't condone, you know, extramarital relations and you can't condone like hiding it and you can't condone like however shallow the investigations were that were conducted by ITV. He even referenced it in his BBC interview when he was asked flat out and when the person in question was asked flat out as well, whether there was anything going on, they lied. And obviously lying is not great either. That's the first thing, but you're right. I'm going to caveat that by saying there has been a centralization, you know, for a good week, 10 days, it was, we're with you, Holly, this must be awful. And Phil is, you know, the scourge of planet earth and TV broadcasting writ large. And there has necessarily been a, you know, a centralization. And I think even in parts and in certain sections of society, a crossover where people all of a sudden have gone for this reason um, that I'm about to mention. 
the next thing I want to say is that actually it reminded me of, and I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, there was an Ant and Deck situation where they hosted Saturday Night Takeaway and it was Deck on his own because Ant had crashed his car because he was under the influence and he had gone to rehab and he was getting all this treatment and his life was in a bit of a mess. And the authenticity with which Deck handled that situation when he had to host a TV show on his own for the first time ever, because they've always been a duo. He looked nervous. He hadn't prepared anything. He was kind of, he wasn't his usual kind of bright, sparky self. There was like messing around with his with his cuffs. There was a bit of fidgeting going on. He was like, I'm just going to do my best and we'll see how we get on. I'm going to need your help, guys. And the audience is in front of a live audience. And you felt for him. You felt enormously for him. And he didn't make it about him. He was like, I hope he's going to be okay. And he just addressed it. He was like, he'll be back with me. I'm sure he will be. I hope he's going to be okay. Deck had every right to feel tremendously let down by his friend for having behaved the way he did. But instead he was like, I hope he's okay. I hope he's going to be all right. So that was the first thing I just thought is like the authenticity with which a duo, a, a, an individual member of a duo had, had dealt with something on an ITV show mm. relative to that was the other thing. And then the third thing I thought was this. Contextually, it was an enormous misstep, in my opinion, because she arrived. Don't get me wrong. I can't, I don't, I don't want to pile in on anybody. And obviously, you know, I'd like to try and remain neutral. But she arrived on Monday morning to host this morning, a show she's hosted for years and years and years, very successfully, having been away on holiday, having been away from all of it, really, you know, if she'd have tried hard enough, which I'm sure she did, there would have been nothing she would have heard. She would have obviously kept abreast of it and people messaging her saying, oh, this is happening in the press, this is happening in the press, blah, 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 blah. But she was away completely. Phil, meanwhile, rightly or wrongly, was being subjected to all kinds of stuff for 10 days in the papers. And she arrives... And her message is, are you okay? I hope you are. It's been tough. You just kind of don't, even if it has been, you don't go there because if we're being real, if we take the actual circumstances out of the equation, it's been significantly less tough for you than it's been for the other party involved in this mm -hmm. scandal. That was mm -hmm. the third thing. And then the fourth thing and the final thing I'll say is this. She lent on an ITV and this morning lent on a dynamic that is no longer there because of this scandal, right? The dynamic, which we discussed at length in the past, and we discussed when it came to Qgate after the whole, you know, furore surrounding them skipping the queue to see the queen uh, when she was laying in rest, laying in state, was that the dynamic has always been, welcome in. We'll come into your living room. You come into our studio. We're at one. You know, we are, we are at the show of the people. The dynamic was getting a bit strained after Qgate. And the second this happened with Phil, it just it, it was eviscerated. It didn't yeah. exist anymore. As a dynamic between you, the viewers, and us, the hosts, that doesn't that that that, that dynamic is well, that's best heavily strained. Way to segue yeah. into what ITV should have done a long time ago. Some would argue years ago, Great. which would have stopped this even happening. This would never have come about, this would not have been such a bad creation. And God bless, you know, him. Uh, I I don't hold with how he conducted himself or what he did, whether it was the worst of the worst or whether it was the level that he has said, which is infidelity with a younger man. I do think you can forgive people for, for what, what they have done. But mm. I really don't think, you know, if... if I really hope that he doesn't, you know, continue feeling these suicidal thoughts. I think it's right. horrific. No one should feel like that. Feels like that. Nobody should no. should walk down to the media to that level. And, Absolutely. You know, you know, from that perspective, that's horribly wrong. But my perspective is you have, and this is why ITV has been dragged into Parliament, because you have a duty of care. And ITV's duty of care spread a little bit further from not only their employees and everybody else, but also to the general public, because right. all of this, as you know, if you make it your front room, if you make your TV show the front room for everyone else to come into, you know, you've got to take the rough with the smooth. So let's let's look at what they should have done. When they first heard about this in 2019, they should have had a rigorous set of values that they stood for 
And it's not easy to dis distinguish what those are. It should be family friendly. You know, we have a certain moral compass that we're going to follow. We're going to be respectful of everyone's religions, color, race, creed, their gender, their sexuality, everything. These are the things that we hold dear. One of the biggest things that we should hold dear is respect for each other mm. and the safe, the safeguarding of our employees, of our presenters and of our public. So once they had set those values and everything they held dear, they should have had a policy for all employees to basically, this is what we want you to uphold. You, we will all follow this policy. And if there is any suspicion that anything is happening outside of that, it won't be a three strikes and you're out. It won't be that we're going to bury this. We are going to investigate it. We're going to work out exactly what is going on here. And while we're investigating, we are going to move you away from the situation. It's just like if a surgeon was accused of being drunk. They wouldn't say, oh, well, you know, it's just rumours. It's just tattletale. We're going to let him carry on operating. They would remove said surgeon from the environment they could do harm. Yeah. and do their investigations as they would do normally. Yeah. They should have addressed the situation in 2019, removed the presenter from the situation and investigated properly. What they did was they heard rumour after rumour after rumour, but they stuck their heads in the sand, stuck their fingers in their ears and went, no, 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 no. Philip's our greatest asset. Holly's our greatest asset. We don't want anything to ruin that. We're going to stick our hands in the ground because the money might stop coming in. They just it have a baffling understanding of what it means to conduct an investigation, clearly. I mean, can you imagine if ITV's directorship were in charge of our police force? They'd asked a couple <laughs> of questions and yes. everyone, everyone involved in the alleged crime would turn around and go, no, nothing to do with me. And then that would be that <laughs> because that's seemingly what happened. Is anything going on, Phil? No. To this person. Is anything going on with Phil? No. Well, that sounds good enough to me. You know what I mean? It's just extraordinary. And they will have known 100%. And you're so right. And I think it comes down to kind of the brand at large as well. And we're going to talk about kind of to finish the episode as well. We're going to talk about personal brand and kind of what it means for Holly, what it means for Phil. But I think it's important to start about, you know, start with what it means for ITV. Because actually, I, this hadn't even entered my mind until we were just, you were just talking about something there. And duty of care to the the viewers you know the, the viewing public you know their audience they've got previous they've got tremendous amounts of previous i mean the one i can think of critiqued many a time well no but the one i can think of that i don't even think we've mentioned is jerry kyle which oh. was a huge huge thing for them for years and years i mean we're talking over a decade this this tv show was on itv and it was you know Terrific. for my sins because it was horrific and i look back now and i can't believe Star what i'm yeah, it was car crash TV. Crash TV. I would watch it. Number people that school. killed themselves as a result of being on yeah. that show. But the number of people who are still suffering as a part from being a result exactly. Of being exactly. And watch Jerry Springer, if you don't know um, who Jeremy Kyle is, it was one yeah. of the daytime reality talk shows that they brought on these poor, damaged people day after day after day. And it was like bear baiting. Yep. It was like public bear baiting. It was the most horrific piece of television. They should have, honestly, that, that's what they should have been taken into Parliament for and run through the mill yep. for, is making people suffer like that. Exactly. So they've got they've got previous on this, right? They, you know, in, insofar as their inability to act, not even just in the moment, but then immediately after the moment, and then two weeks after the moment, and then two months after the moment, and then we're now four years after the initial, you know, relationship started to kind of, you know, begin when it comes to behind the scenes on this morning between Philip Schofield and this and this man. And Jeremy Carr is exactly the same because it got brought up two years after, and I, I, you'd have to fact check this, so I'm going to, you know, cover myself here by saying it was an amount of time after someone appeared on the Jeremy Kyle show and then not long after they'd appear on the Jeremy Kyle show, the experience was so damaging for them, not just in terms of the subject matter that they were being asked about on the show. And you, you're so right to our American listeners and people around the world. It's a bit like Jerry Springer. It's bear baiting. It's, it's, you know, getting to the bottom of scandals. It's lie detectors. It's paternity tests. It's the rest of it. It's all rubbish. So horrible. After that happened, not long after 
an individual's appearance on the show. This individual sadly took their own life after their appearance on the show. And it was a significant amount of time after that happened that it was even addressed. And then they were, I think, brought in front of Parliament after that. The show was taken off air. Jeremy Kyle is no longer employed by ITV. I think he has since been a Good Morning Britain host at times. I don't know that that's absolutely factually correct, but I think he has been. But And he's got a radio show now, and he's kind of appropriately back doing things. But his name was dragged through because he was obviously an exec producer. He was the host. He was like, it, it was his name was on the show. But they've got previous of not looking after people, of not, you know, you're so right. For all, you know, he addressed the abuse of power allegations and you can believe or not believe what he said about his abuse of power. You know, he might be a really horrible individual. That We have yeah, horrible individuals in... He might be. He might be a bully. But they didn't act when they should have acted. And this is a direct result of that. Because if we're being really honest, it's worse when you consider the length of time it was allowed to happen. That's just always the case in anything, right? If something goes on for a long amount of time and it's not addressed by the powers that be, the powers that be in this case being ITV, then it's always worse for the individuals involved. You know, the yeah, hurt, yeah. you know, the feud that exists between Holly and Phil is arguably, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, not because he did what he did, but because it went on for so long and he didn't tell her. Well, if they'd have publicly announced what they definitely knew, let's be honest, four years ago, there wouldn't have been the four years of her not to well, know. We have here, actually, Lyle, is yeah. not only was the relationship brought up to ITV as a problem, but the workplace, mm. the toxicity of the workplace, the way that the, the show is run, the elitism, the, some said, bullying. There are so many people coming out of the woodwork now saying they've written to complain. Rebecca Ferguson, who's a relatively famous singer, wrote to Dame Carolyn McCall to say, you need to do something about this and was fobbed off. That, you know, there's a lot of people saying that they raised to the highest levels within ITV concerns about what was happening on this programme, whether it be Philip Schofield's affair, whether it be the toxicity of the workplace. There was this little coven that had emerged over time that was almost impenetrable because ITV just were looking at raking the money in. It, it, don't break it if it's not broken. Well, it was broken and it's really proved to be shattered now. They've just literally been driven by the commercial aspects. They wanted to make as much money out of this programme as they could. And Holly and Phil were their golden ticket. The sponsorship was coming in. All the guests were wanting to be interviewed by Holly and Phil. You know, this was their golden couple. The golden couple of television in Great Britain. They were never going to move them on unless they killed somebody. And, you know, that's that's the problem. ITV really need to look at themselves in terms of being beholden to their talent. And I said this on the last podcast. You cannot be. Your brand is your programme. They came up with that programme. The programme had other presenters. The programme is a format that people like. Stick to your brand. Do not be dictated to by your talent. It's just basic common sense good corporate governance that they didn't follow it's not even a communications issue is it you're so right it's a corporate governance issue they had they uh, they developed their own intriguing take on a well trodden out cliche which is i thought you brilliantly put out there which was if it ain't broke don't fix it their take on it is if no one knows it's broke don't fix it yeah. all right that was that was their take on the cliche and you're so right i mean actually the irony is and i think this is a nice segue to how we'll close this episode down is actually you're so right about guests wanting to be on to be interviewed by holly and phil and be on the sofa and, and even just be on this morning the irony is is that actually most of the time if you were at the center of a scandal and you were a name you wanted to go on holly and phil because it was an environment that was like they were going to ask you some tough questions. It was relaxed in a way, and it was it's like you can come on and yeah, tell Auntie Auntie Holly and Uncle Phil. Yeah, tell Auntie Holly and Uncle Phil about how you've been feeling, as opposed to going on Good Morning Britain and having Piers Morgan bark at you, um, <laughs> or you know Richard Madeley bark at you, or whoever else they got to bark at you uh, on Good Morning Britain, or going on the BBC and have some people bark at you, and and, and Graham Norton and and those kind of talk shows, late night talk shows, aren't going to touch anybody who is at the centre of a scandal because they're different types of shows. So it perfectly sat in the middle of like, we're going to ask you some difficult questions, 
but it's only Auntie Holly and Uncle Phil. So it's like, do you know what I mean? Like, they're going to be difficult, but we're going to give you some time to... And now, you know, the irony is, is that if it was possible to do it, and if, you know, circumstances were entirely different and we lived in a hypothetical parallel universe, Phil wouldn't have been doing the BBC interview. He'd have been going on Holly and Phil to talk about what had happened. That's, yeah. that's the irony of the show that they created that is now kind of collapsing before our eyes. What we'll close on then is this. What next for them? Because obviously the cent- at the centre of this are two people whose entire brand has changed overnight, you know. And, and I, I think it's the most extraordinary example of this happening that doesn't involve like a, a serially heinous crime. You know, obviously, we, you know, there are examples you can trot out about, you know. Well, it, some might say that it was a serially potentially, heinous yeah. crime if those sort of grooming allegations do oh, come out to be true. Yeah. We don't know, so we can't, and and just like with People Magazine, and yes. I just, I media trained them, they're journalists, not to speculate. You yeah. shouldn't speculate. You Absolutely. don't know what you have is the facts in front of you, and from the facts that are in front of me, I just think it's incredibly sad. Mm. It's just incredibly sad because it shouldn't have happened. Yeah. ITB should have stopped those people crossing that road before they got run over. Mm. It, it didn't need to happen and if I was at ITV right now I wouldn't have I've said this on the last podcast I wouldn't have brought Holly back nice. I would have said you built the brand of the two of them one goes the other goes too you know it, and start afresh start anew or bring back two of the people that the, the, the public did like which was shown by all the, the popularity polls Eamon and Ruth the big critics of of if you wanted to get a bit yeah. sort about it bring them back and no, let I mean that would have been a power play and a half yeah, wouldn't it from ITV it? yeah but I mean also I mean you're so right I mean I think I might have again I mean maybe this is why I'm not kind of at the upper echelons you know certainly just yet uh in terms of like you know how how sort of savage savage probably not the word but how direct I can be and how decisive I can be in my career so far but you know I certainly wouldn't have brought her back this week I certainly wouldn't have like kind of in the middle of the storm, you know, there yeah. were, there were people there who were holding the fort fairly well, you know, and, and kind of rebuilding the brand of the show. And I think Holly Willoughby would have survived another week being away, you know, and it, it certainly might've given her more than the 48 hours it took them to come up with what she delivered on Monday morning to respond to Phil's interview. And I'm a big fan of time is the most valuable resource we have. And she rushed it. They rushed it. Like, because they were like, this is going to be great TV. Let's see what she can do. And like, you know, people are 100% going to watch her respond to Phil. And I suppose just to close this episode off, listeners. She demanded it. Yeah, exactly. Again, this is maybe bending it to to the talent that you Mm. have. She probably said, I, there was nothing to do with me. It wouldn't be fair on me because Philip did all of this. Why should I suffer? Oh, yeah. So, you know, you took all the, you took all the fortune out of that partnership Mm. So equally, you know, in the good times, take the good, but in the bad times, share the bad. I mean, it was like a TV marriage. Mm. And, you know, till death do you part. Oh, yeah. And, and I do think that, you know, that the, that was the death of Polly and Phil and that that should move on. And ITV should have, right from the start, protected their TV brand. That's, yeah. you know, that's all you can say. This yeah. is a sorry, sorry situation that shouldn't have come to pass. It never have happened. If they had been a little bit more professional. And do you know what? I love the fact, and this is why we wanted to do this two-parter. I love the fact that when we kind of did the first part of this, we had no idea of the situation that was going to unfold. And yet our advice stays the same. Has to stay the same. And I just want to finish this episode with two final points, listeners. First was what made me laugh was... I just got a text from Jackie late last week, which just read Phil with an exclamation mark. And I was like, oh no, I've got to go and watch it now. Everything's changed. We've got to do another one, uh, which is why listeners, we were bringing this episode to an end because we don't want to date the podcast, but we're recording this on a Thursday morning and it's got to go out tomorrow. So I've got yeah. to get on it. I've got to get on editing this one so that you can listen to this um, as you're listening to it now. So we can't be- we're going to be doing a part three after all of this. I mean, I would just prepare for a part three, listeners. I would strap in for a part three because this is a constantly changing situation. But in the same way, listeners, as our advice remains the same to the two individuals at the centre of this uh, situation, three, and let's be fair, by the way, three individuals, one of whom is, you know, appropriately and legally nameless. There are three people at the centre of this still being at the epicentre 
I think then one down being this individual who had the relationship with, and then obviously there's Holly as well and how she's dealt with it. But we appropriately, and it's a disclaimer from us, we have to look at what we can see in front of us. We don't have a name for this individual. We don't know who he is. And we are a PR podcast and we're analyzing how those two individuals, Holly and Phil, have responded to this situation. So that's why we've dwelled on those two individuals and not made huge mention of, of that other person. It's a fact situation. But I will finish this episode in a similar way to how we finished it last episode. ITV, right? We know that you've made some mistakes and you've not dealt with this terribly well. But if you are looking for some people to take the helm, right, to wrestle back control of your flagship morning TV show, I'd have to be able to take Ludo to work, though. That's the only that would be my rider. They have they they love dogs to work. Dogs and TV just work. They say never work with children and animals when it comes to theatre and when it comes to being an actor. But I think in TV, animals <laughs> brilliant. Animals absolutely work. You know, animals work on a TV show. So yeah, if you are searching for a dynamic duo, <laughs> look no further. And that's a perfect segue because ITV. If you want to get in touch with us, info at the rest is pr.com we'll respond to that and go to the rest is pr.com to check out this podcast this applies to you listeners obviously more than a big television broadcaster if you also want to get in touch with us via info at demozo.com you can do so we'll pick up emails on that as well if you have a topic to suggest for us to talk about or if you're a potential guest you'd be keen to come on the podcast do let us know and obviously always check out what demozo are up to because there's some really exciting things coming up for the demozo team demozo.com and as ever we will hopefully be back for an episode next week in fact it's not even hopefully we will definitely be back we we've will. got a guest in between my travels in between your travels we've got a yeah. guest coming on uh coming on next week uh we're really really excited uh to to bring you uh he's fantastic it's going to be a bit provocative it's going to be a fun one so strap yeah. in for that yeah. we're going from strength to strength jackie as a result of that same time next week what do you reckon yep definitely possibly in, you know in between time as well for a part three who knows what's going to happen I'm on pins, to use a phrase my wife likes to use, I'm on pins. But in the meantime, listeners, thank you so much once again for joining us for this double header, this two-parter on Phil Schofield and Hollywood. Marathon. Marathon podcast listening for you guys, you know, sort of a feast of podcast listening for a Friday morning. We will see you next week for another exciting installment of The Rest is PR. But for the time being, from Jackie and myself, it's bye for now.